Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 92. I guess we should reintroduce ourselves after a couple of week respite. Toby Altizer is alongside. I'm Grant Paulson. We'll be keeping you up to speed on everything Nationals all off season long and then eventually getting back into the grind during the season come the spring. But uh, we wanted to drop a new pod this week because there is a lot of moving and shaking going on for the Nationals. We'll start with the news over the last 24 hours that they've made with their roster decisions, we knew they had a flurry of roster moves that were necessary. So what they decided to do on Monday into Tuesday, and then everyone else found out about it like us on Tuesday, Toby, was they decided that right-handed pitcher Zach Brixey, who we'll talk about, uh, a reliever who missed this season in the minor leagues, right-handed pitcher Cole Henry, a former second-round pick, left-handed pitcher DJ Hers, who they brought over from the Cubs, in the Jamer Candelario deal. Left-handed pitcher Mitchell Parker, who made his way all the way up to the highest level this year, have had their contracts selected. They have been added to the 40-man roster. Meanwhile, Dominic Smith and Corey Abbott, the first baseman and a right-handed pitcher who spent time in the big leagues this year, designated for assignment. Those guys are no longer with the team. And Andres Machado's time in D.C. is done, the right-handed reliever, has been granted his unconditional release. He will pursue opportunities in Japan. So a bevy of moves here to work through. Um, basically, I guess we should just start, Toby, with some big-picture thoughts as they had to make some decisions with guys like Brixie, Henry, Hers, Parker, some others in the minor leagues on who was going to be Rule 5 eligible, who they were going to protect and keep in their organization. And Hers, their 16th best prospect via pipeline, Henry, number 18, Parker, number 25, Brixie, number 28, all made their way onto the 40-man roster. Yeah, I think you had to do this. I think it made a lot of sense. I think the big thing for Nationals fans that maybe aren't as dialed in on the minor leagues, they're going to be interested in Dominic Smith being DFA'd, and I think that makes sense as well. He's nice to have, and like we talked about all throughout the season, he was a nice security blanket over there at first base defensively to help out with some of the growth of the guys, but I think you saw some of that growth from C.J. Abrams. So now if you put someone over there that – you know, isn't a gold glove type at first base, you'd expect 
all right, CJ, you got to figure it out, dude. Like, you know, you've had a full year where you had that security blanket over there. Now see if you can figure it out. So I think, you know, for the big league club, Dominic Smith isn't going to be back. Corey Abbott's not going to be back. But I think it makes a lot of sense for these guys. Cole Henry has been really good. It's just been a health thing. And, you know, I thought he was going to be a starter. Then, you know, obviously he has the thoracic outlet syndrome. So he's had that surgery. So maybe he ends up being a middle relief guy or even a late inning guy. We'll see. But I think Cole Henry's got a lot of potential. Obviously, DJ Hers is someone you got in the deal. You weren't going to just let him walk uh, and someone be able to have that opportunity to take him in the Rule 5 draft. So that obviously makes a lot of sense. And Mitchell Parker as well. Both of those guys, I think, you know, nice to see, have left-handers in the organization that are effective pitchers. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Brixie obviously added as well. I think it just makes a lot of sense. It's just some common sense moves, nothing too crazy, but you know, nice to see that they're making the right decisions. Yeah, to start with the guys that they're moving on from, the veteran names that Nats fans saw at the big league level. I mean, in the case of Corey Abbott, he's 28 years old, San Diego, California native, former second-round pick back in 2017 by the Cubs. He actually pitched okay at times. His ERA ended up being about 6.6. He was better than that. Not that that says a lot. His FIP was 5.95, but he had about a strikeout per inning. He had 40 Ks and 39 innings. It's not like he doesn't have any stuff. You saw him in AAA this year, punch out almost 70 in 56 innings. So, I mean, this is the kind of guy that is organizational depth. Like, frankly, they'll be looking for a pitcher like him. Uh, He had a ERA in the fours and AAA in 13 starts before coming up to the major leagues. And it's just good to have guys like that around. But when you're in a roster crunch and you have to protect the young ascending players like hers or Henry or Parker, it's a no brainer that a guy like Abbott is very expendable. And with all due respect to him, there's a lot of guys like him out there. So uh, I think this is not necessarily an indictment that like he's terrible or whatever. He didn't pitch particularly well, but he is the kind of guy in the right role that you want in your organization that kind of triple-A big league tweener that they've lacked at times. Typically, they have not really had anybody with major league experience at the triple-A level throwing pretty well that they could call up. You know, when he got called up, sometimes it was out of the bullpen. Sometimes it was out of the rotation. Occasionally, it was the you know the night before a, a double, uh, you know, a doubleheader or something. Like, it was never that great an opportunity. Uh, that's not an easy way to carve your path in an organization. So, uh, thanks for the services, but yeah, they got bigger fish to fry here and, and they'll find someone a lot like him. The well, bigger, and, oh, go ahead. And the big part about this grants, maybe a bigger picture thing is this is why the Steven Strasburg stuff needs to get figured out. You know, maybe you keep a guy like an Andres Machado and obviously they're able to make some moves here and it's not like they're cutting big time guys or moving on from them or having to trade big time guys. But in the coming years, you know, you're going to have guys. So you cannot have a guy like Steven Strasburg just taking up a 40-man roster spot when he's not pitching again. I, I think we all understand that. And I think Steven Strasburg understands that. Mike Rizzo understands that. So they've got to figure something out here to just finish that stuff off. And, you know, I'm glad that we're not going through a whole saga right now where it's just kind of dragging both, you know, both of them kind of dragging the organization or dragging the player. Like, at least we're kind of done with that. And it just seems like it's settled for now. But at some point, this thing has to get figured out. So that way you have that extra roster spot. Because like you said, a guy like an Andres Machado isn't a sexy reliever, but he is a guy that you need in an organization where if someone goes down on an IL stint, you can call him up or he's the last guy in the bullpen. Like, especially for this Nationals team, you could use that. And instead, it's going to a guy that 
probably isn't playing baseball ever again. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you one more, and we'll get to him when we talk about the minor leagues. But right-hander Andrew Lara, who they like and who has not performed to the level that they expected, but is a fringe top 20 prospect for them, did not get protected and is now available to be plucked away. Like you're losing a guy who I'm not that high on, to be completely honest. I, I've never really been as in on them as they seem to be. I've seen him pitch a lot live in the minors. I've never been overly impressed. He's, he looks the part. He's huge. He's got a big body. But, um, you know, you, you're potentially going to lose him. And, like, would you rather have that guy in your organization to continue to see what he is as a young guy making his way? Of course you would. So, yeah, there's no doubt. They absolutely need a resolution with this Strasburg situation. It makes no sense because, to your point, he is 100% unequivocally never pitching again. And we know that now. There was basically a retirement ceremony planned. There was a, you know, beginnings of plans to put in motion last year to say goodbye to him. Uh, yeah, it's right now. It, it seems like all is quiet and nobody's yelling at each other. I think it's just because it's a there's a stare down going on right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, whereas Boris and his side are going, well, they, they can't just keep him on their 40, man. They've got to do something. And the Nationals are hoping, it seems like still, that there can be some type of a resolution where, you know, Strasburg and the team can work something out. But the bottom line is to, to what you said, you're a hundred percent right. Tobes. They, they gotta get him off the 40 man roster sooner rather than later. Um, Dominic Smith really quickly. He ended up hitting for more power at the end of the season than in the first half of the year. Like if you look at it, it was funny because I mean, he could not hit any home runs. And then finally in September, somehow managed six home runs after he had five, the rest of the baseball season, basically. Uh, but he ended up with 12 for the year. I never really understood why anybody thought he was coming here to hit for power. I mean, this is a guy that did not homer in 140 at-bats in 2022. He had 11 homers in 450 at-bats in 2021. He's never hit more than 11 homers, and then he hit 12 last year, which was a career high. And Nats fans all season long were acting like it was a huge disappointment that he wasn't hitting for more power. Uh, there were fewer doubles than I expected, like his, his 366 slug was on par with 2021, was better than 2022. He definitely slugged higher than that early in his career as a former first-round pick. But I just think people didn't really know what he was. I mean, he's a great defensive uh, or good defensive, and at times last year, great. Super athletic first baseman. He was drafted as one of the elite high school prep first basemen that we'd seen in years. Um, but the offensive profile's never been great. He's a career 245 hitter. Uh, over 162 game averages in his career. I would imagine he averages around 10 home runs. So you kind of got what you you paid for, I thought, last season. And people were just out of whack. I mean, you you see a first baseman that that's you know six four, uh, excuse me, six foot and 225 pounds, and you think, well, this guy's going to be a run producer. I mean, that's your fault <laughs> if that's what you were expecting. <laughs> like you didn't you didn't study the back of the baseball card. Having said that. I think you got the year you were looking for. He saved C.J. Abrams' bacon from about 15 errors. Uh, he helped the defense in the infield and helped the young pitching staff a lot. And now, hopefully, they go add someone who is going to produce more offense for them at first base, a critical position. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to have to add someone at first base because Joey Manessis didn't play in the field much this year. But when he did, there was a noticeable difference. Obviously, like we said, Dom Smith is a really good defender, but... Having Joey Manessis at first base as your option next year, I just don't think is going to cut it, especially with, you know, as much as I want to say that CJ's kind of got to take that next step so he's not consistently having to be saved by the first baseman, 
CJ still is going to have some erratic throws, and I don't think Joey can save him or bail him out as many times as Dom Smith did. So I think they're going to have to make a move at first base and figure something out there. But it was nice to see what Dominic Smith did this year. I think, you know, so many people were frustrated with his bat. Understandably so. I mean, like you said, if the expectation was coming in, that he was going to give you a lot of power. He obviously didn't live up to that, and that never really was who he was. But I think what the Nationals were looking for is exactly what they got from him. So it was a good year for Dom Smith, but I think you can look elsewhere now. Yeah, I mean, look, he just doesn't hit the ball that hard. I mean, you look at, like, exit velocity numbers. He's seventh percentile in baseball. And as a first baseman at his size, that's pretty stunning. You know, low barrel percentage, very very low uh, hard hit percentage. And that's despite a high sweet spot percentage. So, this is just not a guy that the ball jumps off of his bat. Uh, he doesn't swing and miss a lot, 79th percentile. He never strikes out, 88th percentile. Those are good things. He's got great range and makes a lot of plays at first base. Uh, to me, <clears throat> you brought in Dominic Smith, and you basically got the guy he's been for most of his career. So uh, I was fine with the season he gave them. I know people were disappointed, but I, I kind of uh, uh, blame them. You know, if you, if you call me, you're going to get a uh, – you know, a bearded fat guy on the other end of the phone. You can't be that upset about that. Well, you know and he's he, he's another one of those guys where Rizzo brought him in, short-term contract, and hoped, okay, maybe he shows something because he gets consistent playing time here that he hasn't necessarily had as much of with the Mets, and maybe he breaks out. Maybe he shows power, and he's someone that they could have traded. But he didn't, and he showed that he can be a decent glove, and you know, he kind of showed that he's a he's a big leaguer, but he's not going to be an everyday player or he's not going to be a impact player, at least for an organization. And so Rizzo took a shot. He didn't necessarily get everything he wanted because he wasn't able to move him. But at the same point, he got a solid guy that can help with development of the guys across the infield. So like you said, I think they got exactly what they bargained for.